0: Hello friends. We have some good news. We are up for the Listener's Choice Award on Podcast Awards, and this means that we need your help. So pause this recording right now and head over to podcastawards.com to sign up to nominate the third place podcast. You can find us under the Society and Culture section after you sign up. And if you send us a screenshot of your nomination, we'll give you a personal shout out at the end of the month. Thanks so much. Today's guest on the 3rd Place Podcast is Regina Marie. Regina is a life coach who uses her experiences of extreme loss to help guide other people. Her personal journey began in 2001 with the death of her 2-year-old son, Joey. The chapter around this time was characterized with extremes from suicide, despair, depression, anxiety, and the fear that she would never recover. It was through this process that she realized what grief truly is the deepest fear that no one can't function with the loss and terror of stepping into the unknown. How one processes a traumatic event through the lens of past experiences, particularly past trauma, is what makes every situation unique. In her coaching, she addresses not just the loss of the present moment, but how it interconnects to a deeper identity of who we truly are, and who we are called to become as part of the healing modality. She's now been working with grief and trauma clients as a specialty for over 15 years, and has worked with clients from abusive relationships, terminal illness, child loss, parental loss, physical loss, divorce, miscarriage, and more. She has helped clients understand that death is not experienced as solely the loss of a person. Death is a transformation, and it is what one chooses to do with it that makes all the difference. Today, Regina will share her story of her loss of her son, Joey. Be prepared to have many tissues handy as we hear this tragic story, but how Regina through time embraced the tragedy and has turned it into something beautiful.
1: We welcome you to explore the third place with us.
0: It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging, empowering, and and engaging engaging dialogue.
1: You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: We invite you in to the third place. Regina Marie, we have been talking about getting you on this show for so many months, um, You know, I feel like it's just such a sweet moment to finally be here, ready to share your story. So thank you for coming on, first and foremost. Thank you for having me. It means a lot to be included in this special, special place you have. So in our first virtual connection, I remember we got connected because of the grief series that we ran in December of 2020. And I was struck by your story of the loss of your son. Not only were you really raw, super authentic, and your compassionate nature was just like, I could feel it through the email. As a mother, I'm even having a hard time wanting to speak of and ask you about the loss of your son. So I just wanted to acknowledge that, like, through this, that is the reason why this conversation is so important, is because it brings so much intensity and sympathy and like a helplessness from my end that thank you in the upfront for your courage to come to this place and share with us. And I'd love to start with you sort of giving some context and telling us about your late son, Joey, and your experience of his loss.
2: Well, I'll tell you a little bit about my family. Thank you again
1: for that. Yes,
2: it does take a little courage to put yourself out there after you have a huge loss like this. You really get gun shy and it's very hard sometimes to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, but um, the grace is a, a powerful thing and I feel chosen to do this. So thank you again. Joey was two and um, he was playing in the backyard and I'm just going to go right into kind of the accident itself, but we were a happy family. We, we were you know, husband, wife. I had an older child and a younger child and they were seven years apart. So um, I had a, I also suffered with miscarriages and I had a stillborn before Joey. So I dealt with loss before that. But this was a, this was a blow and he was just playing outside and I went to answer the telephone and I then took a client's call, wrote down the information. I heard the kids come inside. My backyard was completely locked in, made sure of that when the kids went out. And um, we're talking about a 50 by 50 backyard. We're not talking about a major one. And they all came inside, so I thought, and then I heard them, but something just told me instinctively, go check on the kids. And I said, hey guys, what y'all doing back here? And I looked around, I didn't see little Joey. So I walked out in the sliding door in the backyard, and uh, there was this toy that he was playing with in the middle of the patio. And then I kept looking around, you know, calling out for him, and just something was not right. So I picked up the phone, called 911 the police showed up and I said I can't find my son but my fence is locked I do not know where he is and I said and then all of a sudden the neighbor came home who had a pool and the police said please go check your backyard and he was in the pool and he was face down and they started resuscitating him and my son I called my husband immediately and While they were pulling my son out of the pool, my husband ran in. And just the horrific image I have is my son laying there, gray, now ex-husband, but my husband at the time, screaming out to God, no. And um, the police taking me because I was about to pass out and just picking me up. I just got like two hands picking me up and pulling me away. And they were like, you need to get in the ambulance. We're pulling him in. So... I was completely swiped. I I don't know how else to explain it, but it it was shock that took over. I know that now, but at the time you don't, you think you're functioning, but you really aren't because nothing seems real. And so on the way to the hospital, I just was nothing, nothing in my head was making sense. And all of a sudden they said it's 12 minutes without him breathing. This is not looking good. And a deacon grabbed my hand in the hospital and we all, all of us, all the nurses, the doctors, everything that was around just got on the floor in the emergency room where the door opened and said that um, we need to pray for a miracle. And this is where I had my spiritual awakening. I literally heard somebody scream three days, three days. And I was like, that's not me. But then I was like, wait a second. And the nurse started screaming, oh my God, we have vitals. We have vitals. And I got up and my son was like glowing. He, he looked, I can remember. He was so gray and he was golden. I didn't understand that. I didn't know what I was seeing at the time. I know now that I'm spiritually awakened. I know what that was. And they rushed him to another hospital because, you know, have they don't have a NICU there. Unfortunately, his brain hemorrhaged on the second day because we didn't know what the trauma was going to be. It takes three days to really show brain injury. And we did give his organs to, to Lopa. We did um, donate and ended up saving another two-year-old Boy's Life, which we have not reached out yet to, who's now 18. Scott. Um, notification that he's still alive and he has like three organs of my son. So it changed him. It changed that little boy's life completely. Mm-hmm. But that's where that's where my life started with three. Because when you come home after he passed away and Lopa took over, you're leaving a hospital without a part of you. And I just couldn't handle that. I wanted to stay with him. and uh, But finally I had a dream. I had a dream, and the dream was like, Mom, you need to go home.
1: Hmm.
2: You need to go home. It's time to go home. And when I walked in, my house was straightened, because I didn't tell you this part, but when a child drowns or has any kind of trauma in the state of Louisiana, they get, you know, Child Protective Services gets called in. So I had that to deal with as well, which they didn't find anything, thank God. Even the, the doctors were like, this is ridiculous. This was a complete freak accident. You can ask the police, blah, blah, blah. We still don't know how he got in the pool, man. We have no idea how he got in the pool. There's no broken boards. There's no broken fence. They think that he literally, like, climbed the tree and got and dropped into their yard. He was known for climbing. He's been climbing out of his crib since he's eight and a half months old. So he was a little Houdini, but we still don't know. So asking those questions of why we how that puzzled me for the first three or four days like why did this happen um how did this happen what was i am i not a good mother and plus on top of it i had media media pick me up for three days so i had camp people camped out of my house and it was just it was ridiculous my neighbors were very good about pushing them away and saying no it was horrific it was exposure in the most vulnerable time. But they kept me off the camera. They kept Joe off the camera. They, my family stepped in. We had an advocate for the family to speak for us. And it was safe that way. So it was, it was very out there. And it was very, we couldn't even have time to process it alone. It was almost like we always had somebody right there. Finally, after it was done, we did have that alone time. And we were able to try to breathe again. My husband and I clinged on to each other at first. And it was very healthy. It was very wholesome. And it was probably, I knew we were going to make it because of that. But um, unfortunately, time does change things because we all feel differently. So, but that's how I lost my son. I mean, he was the light of my world. He was everything. And same as my daughter is everything and the light of my world. I mean, all the babies that you bore you out of your body, they're all your little lights. And to have one to be gone, it's... It's a punch in the gut. It's a, It's a punch to your inner heart, and it's just you can't breathe. It was like this raw and real emotions.
0: And I would imagine with all that rawness, you know, feelings of depression, despair, anxiety, fear. Probably even like, do you want to go on? We've talked about on the podcast, I have a one and three year old, and this is an area I just can't even allow my mind to ever think about is what it would be like losing a child. Uh, you know, I'll read about something in the news and it's like I I just quickly try to double check, like, do I have as many safeguards as you can in place, knowing that you're not ever going to be able to have them all in place? So. Describe those feelings because, of course, the loss is intense and horrific, but there's also your own emotions within that loss, too.
2: Right. Because you have your emotions that who you are as a person, and then you have the emotions of who you are as a mother. And then you also realize you have another child to look after. So I had like this, and a wife, and we were all hurting and we were all hurting. And I, the problem with me is that he was in my care and I failed. I failed. Okay. So that was the biggest thing that I had this intense reminder that I caused all this pain. It was my fault and I failed. That's probably the one that took the longest to process. I I can still tear up thinking about that burden because to forgive oneself is probably the hardest grace that you can actually do.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sitting here. I mean, just real, real brief. I want to ask you, is that still your, truth do you still feel like you failed or has there been mm-hmm. some forgiveness given to yourself
2: <sighs> except you know who helped me with that acceptance is my own father who's not with us anymore he said gina i'm telling you something and i'm kicking myself because i feel guilty i dreamt that your son died the day before he did and i didn't tell you and i said what he says, "I had a dream two days before, and and I should have warned you." He says, "So it's my fault." And then he says, "And then it flashed in my head that little Joey was sticking things." I told you he was a mischievous little, little boy. He was sticking my letter opener into the light socket four days before my dad was watching. He goes, "Gina, I caught him putting the letter opener in the light socket," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And he goes, "He could have died on my watch." Is my wait mm. oh yeah oh yeah my dad grounded me my dad completely grounded me and said I don't know why all I know is that I think that some people are here for a short period of time to make their impact and and move on and I really feel your son had this calling Now, what we're gonna do with that is up to us and that's what my dad told me probably about a week after he passed away after we buried him and you know, it was really, I'm going back into the home. I'm looking at his toys. I'm surrendering. You don't surrender. You're beating yourself up. And that's the first thing I was called to do is beg God for help for my family, for myself.
1: I was listening to BJ Miller recently, and he said, you know, and I've heard this before. My my mom worked in hospice and that dying is harder on the living, right? And And I feel like the death of a child is like exponentially harder on the living is at least the the way i could consider it being i i have no other consideration i don't have a personal experience of it but that i think that that is just a testament to well you lose um, your whole future right you see everything i had planned out for this child
2: died with him everything yeah it's funny being over his bed the day that i felt like the holy spirit for the first time in my body said get up and tell your son goodbye get up and tell him it's okay and it was that his brain didn't hemorrhage yet he was just laying there and his eyes were not opening he never regained consciousness but his body functions were coming back on like his kidneys and stuff like that and i just remember standing over him and this actually came the i was judged for this so be aware that when you lose children, it seems like parents or other parents judge what you do. It's really weird. It's a it's a double standard, okay? And judgment is probably the hardest thing, especially if it's an accident and you're not the everything to everyone as far as your protector. You know, I got really judged, and I had to I had to deal with that with some parents, and some of my friends couldn't handle it. They just went away. You know what I'm saying? So it was really weird on how the dynamic changed after he passed away, but I was hovering over his bed. This is where I was going with this. I was hovering over his bed and I just felt this inner voice say, tell him, tell him you love him. Tell him he's listening. And all of a sudden my mother-in-law is the one who brought it to my attention that every time I would talk to him, this big old crocodile tear would come out. And I asked the nurse, I said, is that just what, What? why is he crying? Is he in pain? And she says, oh, no, that's just probably the fluid on his brain coming out through his you know, through his eyes. And my mother-in-law was like, no, we're going to test that theory. I don't believe that that's what it is at all. That's a sign for us. And so all of a sudden, I just really started talking to him like he was right there. And all of a sudden, these tears just started flowing. I mean, constant flowing. And I finally just something took over me and said, you know, son, I believe in God. And I believe that you need to go ask him what's best for you. Don't worry about mom. I love you and want you healed. That's the bottom line. I want you healed and I want you whole. I would like that to be here. But if your vessel can't handle it, then God's going to be here to give us the grace. And I didn't expect me to say that. It just came forth like, he needed, it. he needed to let go. And six hours later, that's when they said that he, his brain did hemorrhage and whatever was coming back was, you know, gone. And, um.
0: Well, it sounds like that alone was. Such a gift, you know. Like the first part of hearing your story, and then he had his vitals and had two days. It sounds like this moment was part of that gift. Awesome. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have happened. Like, what did you know? Just to even go with those around you. I mean, I'm sure that there are all levels of support. Support where you felt completely surrounded in a good way, and then the lack of support in the form of even a harsh judgment. You know, and I would even think over time that, you know, one of the things that we learned about in the grief series is that it just doesn't go away. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's constantly with you, but for those of us that haven't experienced loss, it's so easy to just move on and expect everybody else to move on. So there's probably a whole, another layer that was always ongoing where it's like, wait, it's been two years. Why aren't you over this yet?
1: Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, what's nice is that, I had a lot of people that stepped up in my community that surrounded me. And my doctor and my spokesperson, which is his godmother, got on television and explained what's going on. People just started outpouring monetarily. And I look back on that, and the support was not close. You'd be surprised. Everybody grieved so differently. Oh, that you can't lean on. I couldn't lean on my mom and dad. They were, grie- they were grieving as grandparents. I couldn't lean on my husband because he was grieving as a father. And my mother grief was different than his grief. Um, I also had to face his blame. He did blame me. You know, he did. That did rear its head after years. Okay. And I even called it out. And I said, Joey, I know you blame me. And I know this is going to come to separate us eventually. And he says, I'm fighting it with everything I got. He knew. He knew the kind of mother I was. He stood up for me and actually defended me. You know, so I have support. Oh, I mean, I could go on and on and on about people that wrote me letters. Um, I just lost a child. She was playing with the balloon and the balloon popped it and it straightens her, her lungs and I'm the grandmother. And I was watching a letter play with the balloon and she died in front of me and I could not save my granddaddy. And the, she was weeping on the phone, weeping on the phone. She left me a message. And all these people were coming out the woodworks with loss. And they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to process it. And I started writing everything down as I was processing. So I had kind of a long journal of my first five to 10 years. But the the biggest thing about support is that you can't go to your immediate your immediate foundation. Your foundation is broken. Like somebody put a grenade and just blew it up and everybody's so wounded that you can't reach out to the people that you are so used to. You have to go out and find. And most people don't feel comfortable
1: with doing that. So it's like, how do you even begin? Um, because, like, I'm struck by the fact that I'm hearing you go through this journey of processing and growing simultaneously. And it's, it's very rare, I'd say, for both of those energies to coexist. Like, I think that when you're in this state of growing requires action. And I feel like processing is like, I need you. I need someone I need. I'm feeling needy. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge that that's why meeting you has been such a gift is because clearly I feel like you're an outlier in this way, that you were doing both an input and an output Mm -hmm. at the same time. And that there was this sort of this dance going on. I just want to hear a little bit more about that experience for you. Because I think that that ability to access the grit that it requires to grow at the same time as process and grieve is bar none. You know, it's funny, you you know, talking about this and making me think about it
2: it made me kind of reflect differently being 20 years out than I would have, if you would have asked me when it was going on. To be a person that is open to change huh, is the gift that I received. I received it when I let go of my son in that room. I did not know that's what I was doing, but I became open for grace to take over. Then when I got the dream and it brought me back to my home, I went straight into his bedroom and I dropped to my knees and I shed myself. I shed it. I shed everything. The fear. I don't know. I, I screamed. I I punched on his bed. I smelt his. He still smelled. He still was in the room with me. He was. He, everything was still new. It's. He just. He wasn't there. All the clothes that we were planning on going through. We were planning on a trip in Disney World two weeks after this, and I have bought him all new clothes. And I'm looking at the new clothes saying, we're not going to go on that trip. There's no way we're going to go on that trip. There's no way we're going to do anything. I don't even know how to breathe. And finally, I just started screaming. This bellow, this rawness came out. It's all the stages of grief, you know, barterment. You know, you try to you know, make deals with God. Just get me through this for this next 30 seconds and give me a sign or however you do that back and forth.
0: I don't know if I can even find the words to say this appropriately, but because any kind of loss or sacrifice would never be, you know, a gift. But... But also for so many people, I think this, your journey is a gift for others. Your son's journey is a gift for others. And one of the things I hear that's just fascinating is, you know, we, we just aren't equipped with the tools to talk about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that the question I have, which I think could be a gift for so many other people, how can people engage with you? Like if there is someone that they know, that they're close to that has had this kind of loss but they don't know what to say how could they show compassion to that person and and be genuine and be heartfelt and be what they need to be for that person going through that kind of loss
2: the biggest thing i had a sister-in-law in the very beginning of my first couple of weeks she actually used to call me every day and just say hey did you brush your teeth today it's okay if you do can you get up and go brush your teeth brush your teeth while you're talking to me tell me what's going on with you yeah and that's sometimes where we need to meet people it's finding out where they are and caring for the vessel first then the heart of the emotions will come then the flow of that grace will come in for the soul but you have to first what choose to reach out choose to be vulnerable and reach out and ask for help. And that's the, probably the whole the whole hardest, move. first step is, is the hardest step they always say. And that's the hardest step is to find out which direction you're called to be.
1: You know, I think that oftentimes we feel a sense of love when we connect with people. So when we're experiencing someone's grief, we want to share our own grief, right? Because that's a connection that we can share. But I do think that one of my, greatest takeaways in this conversation is just the power of sitting with what it surfaces for each one of us. You know, David and I are both parents to young children right around the age that you're talking of. And I know just in the amount of tears that our listeners can't see that we've shed during this conversation, that it it feels very raw and real to us and that it's bringing up all of our greatest fears, right? And that It is about acknowledging those fears, but it is not about that exchange. It's about giving the space to share that story that sometimes connecting has nothing to do with sharing your grief story in the moment, that it actually is probably the complete opposite. It's just listening and it's just sitting with your experience, recognizing it, and then opening back up to be a vessel to receive and understand what's happening for the person that's in it.
2: And Mary, I want to add one more thing validation to validate one's person. Like Joey had a, uh, a cousin. Um, they had a child two weeks after I had my son. And when my son died a year later, their son was diagnosed with leukemia and they grieved totally different. And then he finally passed away five years later. Everybody was looking to me like you went through this. You can help them. And I went, no, their grief is different they had to prepare for this loss they had to face it on a regular basis they just they just waiting for that shoe to drop at times and then all of a sudden that shoe got you know, because he did go into remission and it was okay we can be normal again and then all of a sudden the shoe dropped again it was this yo-yo cycle i never had that that's a different form of grief so i couldn't help them but i did tell them this i validated it was hurtful it was painful it was a loss But their experience did not match my experience. But I'm here when they want to talk. They want to talk about their experience and I can talk about my experience. But whenever they want to do that, because that's the biggest thing is validation that even though it might look similar, that it's really a different experience. Once you dissect it, nothing's ever the same.
0: Well, uh, Mary said it, you know. You all haven't seen our tears, but I'm sure that there are tears out there. And Regina, again, this has been a gift for us. And for so many people, Joey's life is a gift. And we could not be more grateful that you would come and share it with us. So we thank you so much. We love you and your story and your family. And for those that would like to get connected, uh, how can they do that? How can they reach out to you?
2: Um, they can reach me on Facebook or um, I have my website now, which is www.ReginaMarieCoach.com. And I just basically help people remove blockages or however they're feeling that they are stuck, if they are stuck. And that's probably my biggest message is that we really find your sole purpose. And if you have a loss, if you have a breakup. But I also help with more than that. It's more of knowing your soul purpose and discernment and just having that, the drive to do so. You know, they're here for a reason. Awesome. Thank you, Regina. Thank y'all for having me. It means so much to me. Y'all have been such a little blessing, really big blessing, I should say. This, this opened me up again and I haven't felt this way uh, to process all this and share it on a different level. So thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Oh well, it is mutual to say the least, and um, I think that you know synergies exist, right? I think that's another big yes. takeaway of this. So, there is so yes. I am uh, again thankful for the synergy of of coming across you in our lives and for you sharing your story so authentically. So, thank you. Thank you so much. Be well.
0: Third Place Podcast is produced by Podcast Publishing House. If you like what you're hearing, follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms—Apple, Spotify. Also, check out the episodes on our website, ThirdPlacePodcast.com, for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation, so make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Third Place Podcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host Happy Hours on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash third place podcast.